It had been a dry year, even by the standards of Lonesome Dove, and the spring was just springing enough to make a nice mud puddle. The pigs spent half their time rooting around the spring house, hoping to get into the mud, but so far none of the holes in the adobe was big enough to admit a pig. The damp burlap the jug was wrapped in naturally appealed to the centipedes, so Augustus made sure that none had sneaked under the wrapping before he uncorked the jug and took a modest swig. The one white barber and lonesome dove, a fellow Tennessean named Dillard Brawley, had to do his barbering on one leg because he had not been cautious enough about centipedes. Two of the vicious red-legged variety had crawled into his pants one night, and Dillard had got up in a hurry and had neglected to shake out his pants. A leg hadn't totally rotted off, but it had rotted sufficiently that the family got nervous about blood poisoning and persuaded he and Carl to saw it off. For a year or two, Lonesome Dove had had a real doctor, but the young man had lacked good sense. A vaquero with a loose manner that everybody was getting ready to hang at the first excuse anyway passed out from drink one night and let a blister bug crawl in his ear. The bug couldn't find its way out, but it could move around enough to upset the vaquero, who persuaded the young doctor to try and flush it. The young man was doing his best with some warm salt water, but the vaquero lost his temper and shot him. It was a fatal mistake on the vaquero's part. Someone blasted his horse out from under him as he was racing away, and the incensed citizenry, most of whom were nearby at the dry bean, passing the time, hung him immediately. Unfortunately, no medical man had taken an interest in the town since, and Augustus and Call, both of whom had coped with their share of wounds, got called on to do such surgery as was deemed essential. Dillard Brawley's leg had presented no problem, except that Dillard screeched so loudly that he injured his vocal cords. He got around good on one leg, but the vocal cords had never fully recovered, which ultimately hurt his business. Dillard had always liked to talk too much, but after the trouble with the centipedes, what he did was whisper too much. Customers didn't relax under their hot towels for trying to make out Dillard's whispers. He hadn't really been worth listening to even when he had two legs, and in time many of his customers drifted off to the Mexican barber. Call even used the Mexican, and Call didn't trust Mexicans or barbers. Augustus took the jug back to the porch and placed his rope-bottom chair so as to utilize the smidgen of shade he had to work with. As the sun sank, the shade would gradually extend itself across the porch, the wagon yard, Hat Creek, Lonesome Dove, and eventually the Rio Grande. By the time the shade had reached the river, Augustus would have mellowed with the evening and be ready for some intelligent conversation, which usually involved talking to himself. Call would work until slap dark if he could find anything to do, and if he couldn't find anything, he would make up something. P.I. was too much of a corporal to quit before the captain quit, even if Call would have let him. The two pigs had quietly disregarded Augustus's orders to go to the creek and were under one of the wagons eating the snake. That made good sense, for the creek was just as dry as the wagon yard and further off. Fifty weeks out of the year, Hat Creek was nothing but a sandy ditch, and the fact that the two pigs didn't regard it as a fit wallow was a credit to their intelligence. Augustus often praised the pig's intelligence in a running argument he had been having with Call for the last few years. Augustus maintained that pigs were smarter than all horses and most people, a claim that galled Call severely. 
No slop-eating pig is as smart as a horse, Call said, before going on to say worse things. As was his custom, Augustus drank a fair amount of whiskey as he sat and watched the sun ease out of the day. If he wasn't tilting the rope-bottom chair, he was tilting the jug. The days in Lonesome Dove were a blur of heat, as dry as chalk, but mash whiskey took some of the dry away and made Augustus feel nicely misty inside, foggy and cool as a morning in the Tennessee hills. He seldom got downright drunk, but he did enjoy feeling misty along about sundown, keeping his mood good with tasteful swigs as the sky to the west began to color up. The whiskey didn't damage his intellectual powers any, but it did make him more tolerant of the raw sorts he had to live with. Call and P.I. and Dietz, young Newt, and old Bolivar the cook. When the sky had pinked up nicely over the western flats, Augustus went around to the back of the house and kicked the kitchen door a time or two. Better warm up the sow belly and mash a few beans. Old Bolivar didn't answer, so Augustus kicked at the door once or twice more to emphasize his point. He went back to the porch. The blue shote was waiting for him at the corner of the house, quiet as a cat. It was probably hoping that he would drop something, a belt, pocket knife, or a hat, so he could eat it. Get from here, shote, Augustus said. If you're that hungry, go hunt up another snake. It occurred to him that the leather belt couldn't be much tougher or less palatable than a fried goat Bolivar served up three or four times a week. The old man had been a competent Mexican bandit before he ran out of steam and crossed the river. Since then, he had led a quiet life, but it was a fact that goat kept turning up on the table. The Hat Creek Cattle Company didn't trade in them, and it was unlikely that Bolivar was buying them out of his own pocket. Stealing goats was probably his way of keeping up his old skills. His old skills did not include cooking. The goat meat tasted like it had been fried in tar, but Augustus was the only member of the establishment sensitive enough to raise a complaint. Bowl, where did you get the tar you fried this goat in? He asked regularly, his quiet attempt at wit falling as usual on deaf ears. Bolivar ignored all queries, direct or indirect. Augustus was getting about ready to start talking to the sow and the shoat when he saw Call and P.I. walking up from the lots. P.I. was tall and lank. He had never been full in his life. He looked so awkward that he appeared to be about to fall down even when he was standing still. He looked totally helpless. But that was another case of looks deceiving. In fact, he was one of the ablest men Augustus had ever known. He had never been an outstanding Indian fighter. But if you gave him something that he could work at deliberately, like carpentering or blacksmithing or well digging or harness repair, he was excellent. If he had been a man to do sloppy work, Call would have run him off long before. Augustus walked down and met the men at the wagons. It's a little early for you two to be quitting, ain't it, girls? Or is this Christmas or what? Both men had sweated their shirts through so many times during the day that they were practically black. Augustus offered Call a jug, and Call put a foot on the wagon tongue and took a swig just to rinse the dry out of his mouth. He spat a mouthful of perfectly good whiskey in the dust and handed the jug to P.I. "'Girls yourself,' he said. "'It ain't Christmas.' And then he went on to the house so abruptly that Augustus was a little taken aback. Call had never been one for fine manners, but if the day's work had gone to his satisfaction, he would usually stand and pass the time a minute. 
A funny thing about Woodrow Call was how hard he was to keep in scale. He wasn't a big man. In fact, he was barely middle-sized, but when you walked up and looked him in the eye, it didn't seem that way. Augustus was four inches taller than his partner, and P.I. three inches taller yet. But there was no way you could have convinced P.I. that Captain Call was the short man. Call had him buffaloed, and in that respect, P. had plenty of company. If a man meant to hold his own with Call, it was necessary to keep in mind that Call wasn't as big as he seemed. Augustus was the one man in South Texas who could usually keep him in scale, and he built on that advantage whenever he could. He started many a day by pitching Call a hot biscuit and remarking point blank, You know, Call, you ain't really no giant. A simple heart like P. could never understand such behavior. It gave Augustus a laugh sometimes to consider that Call could hoodwink a man nearly twice his size, getting P. to confuse the inner with the outer man. But of course, Call himself had such a single-track mind that he scarcely realized he was doing it. He just did it. What made it a fascinating trick was that Call had never noticed that he had a trick. The man never wasted five minutes appreciating himself. It would have meant losing five minutes of whatever job he had decided he wanted to get done that day. It's a good thing I ain't scared to be lazy, Augustus told him once. You may think so. I don't, Call said. Hell, Call. If I worked as hard as you, there'd be no thinking done around this outfit at all. You stay in a lather 15 hours a day, and a man that's always in a lather can't think nothing out. I'd like to see you think the roof back on that barn, Call said. Strange little wind had whipped over from Mexico and blown the roof off as clean as a whistle three years before. Fortunately, it only rained in Lonesome Dove once or twice a year, so the loss of the roof didn't result in much suffering for the...